Bridget, tell us about your hyperfocus, please. I'm begging you. Good morning, clowns. Welcome to Baby Lee Roth, the podcast about playlists. And now, here are Callie, Erica, and Bridget. Welcome to season two of Baby Lee Roth, your favorite mixtape podcast. On this show, we create a playlist from a randomly selected theme. The theme of today's playlist is vampires. I'm Bridget, and these are my co-hosts, Callie and Erica. I'm Callie. <laughs> I'm Erica. So you get used to our voices <laughs> again. Yeah. We've been gone so long. This is a nice establishing shot for the listener. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about our long, eventful summers? I mean, let's let's all do our little what I did this summer, what I did on my summer vacation. Yeah, let's all update the class on what we did. Um, okay, well, I suppose I'll start. So... I had a two-month-long sinus infection that took two rounds of antibiotics to fully go away, and that also made me sick, but then in a different way. And in the midst of all that, I was getting two full and four partial crowns, and then when I had all those temporary crowns on, my very beloved dog, who was my soulmate, uh, was 15 years old, and she kind of suddenly passed away in the middle of all of that. And then my boyfriend and I were just beside ourselves with grief. So we watched 11 Fast and Furious movies, including Hobbs and Shaw, in the span of three days as our grief coping mechanism, which I definitely recommend. A um, couple days after that, I surprised my best friend for her 40th birthday, where the aforementioned <laughs> antibiotics made me sick. And I threw up in her bathroom with the heated toilet seat, which was actually kind of nice. And then I cried about my dog dying and she took care of me. But <laughs> we really did have like a really wonderful time. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I got my first Korean spa treatment, which was a body scrub. And if you have not had one, it is truly fantastic. They, um, they scrub you up and down as if your body were a vehicle (laughs) or like perhaps some kind of farm animal. Like you're in this room that is just floor to ceiling tile and shower curtains and there's literally a hose. And then at the end they hose you off. It was a really great experience. Like 10 out of 10. It's just Korean grandmas scrubbing you down and it is the most body neutral experience you could ever have. It's fantastic. And then after all that, I moved to Northern California, which involved a solid month of packing paperwork and tying up loose ends of 18 years of living in Los Angeles. And then me and my boyfriend on two hours of sleep crammed a ton of shit and a cat in each car and caravan for six and a half hours. And the cat in my car took a fat shit and then barfed about 30 minutes into the six and a half hour drive. So I had no choice but to roll down the windows and roll with it until we arrived at our new house at 4 a.m. So it was not the summer of Erica, but like all difficult times in my life, I just kept telling myself it won't be like this forever. And here we are. I'm out the other side. (laughs) We're hoping for like fall or maybe winter of Erica. (laughs) If If we can get there. I do love a Korean spa treatment though. There's a Korean spa near my house, and it is always just such a treat to get scrubbed down by the grandmas. I just love how they, like, pick up various body parts. Like, they'll pick up an arm or a leg, and they really scrub in every crevice. Like, she picked up my boob and moved it so she could get under it, which was, like, it just was really, like, oh, my body's just a body to you. It's fantastic. You see a million of these a day. It's fantastic. It made me... 
I feel like every other time I've been taking a shower or cleansed, I was just, I've never truly felt clean before this moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Body neutral is a perfect word for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Callie, what did you do this summer? Um, Not a whole lot. Um, I did want to mention that I also watched all Fest movies, but not in the span of three days. It was more so in the span of like two <laughs> weeks. Um, and that was also that's like technically way more appropriate. I mean, kind of, but I like so I started wanting to do it a because Fast X was coming out, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, okay, yeah, I need to see this. <laughs> but I've never seen any Fast and the Furious movies, so. Um, this podcast I listened to, Worst Idea of All Time, was watching, th- their new season this year is watching all the Fast movies in reverse order, however many times that, like, the, the movie number is. Oh, no. So they watched Fast 9 nine times, Fast no. 8 eight times. <laughs> Wrong. Are y'all familiar with Ooh. Worst Idea of All Time? No. No, but this sounds like the worst idea <laughs> so it's, of it's, all time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's two New Zealand comedians, and they started off watching Grown Ups 2 um 52 times so they'll watch it every every week for a year so i really enjoy this because i like commitments to bits and um (laughs) watching movies over and over again um but yeah this most recent season was the fast movies so i'm like okay well i'm i'm gonna watch it in the same order so i started with fast nine but then it got all wacky and out of order, and I ended up watching hobbs and shaw on the plane ride to japan because they they had it and i was like well, fuck it, I'm never going to watch this in any other situation, and it's free. <laughs> so I, that was one of my um, marathon movies that I watched on the 13-hour plane ride. But, yeah, I, I saw Fast 10, or Fast X, whatever the fuck it's called. They all have, like, hmm. really confusing... They have, like, a really confusing naming convention, but um, I saw Fast X with some friends who are legit, like, car street racers and biz- big Fast fans like legitimate fast fans i mean like still with a sense of humor about it but that was really fun because they had already like super invested in the series and i'm just like this is ridiculous about cars like this is not a fast and furious (laughs) podcast so i need to like restrict myself to talking about it but i will say fast and furious is just not about cars it's just not like maybe the first the first two are kind of like car centric i would say the first two in tokyo drift so the first three technically tokyo drift which then they retcon it in later, you know. It's yeah, after that, they lost their goddamn minds, and all of a sudden, Tyrese and Ludacris are in space, which is what I'm here for. Like, that's the part of the franchise it's, I'm invested it's true. in. And, and you know what else is Tyrese is hungry. I'm sorry, he's hungry. Tyrese's only character trait is that he's hungry. So. I've never seen okay. any of these movies. You're fine. <laughs> You're totally fine. As for this summer. I finally quit my job, which was bittersweet. I work at a new store, but I hate it. (laughs) The last, like, two months that I've been working there, I've been extremely depressed and in, like, a depressed haze, which only broke, like, this last week when I did not work for a full week and also was in Windsor for a mural fest. So that's my my summer. Sounds also really uplifting. Yeah, super (laughs) fun and uplifting. So it wasn't the summer of kelly either no but i have less reason it's just just a haze just the usual you don't need a reason to be depressed it's just something your brain does yep bridget did did you have a summer of bridget my summer was very 
even keel. It's hard to tell when it's summer here, as you know, because um, it's kind of always and never. So yes, let's say it was great. Um, I bought a house in the Mojave <laughs> Desert, which is pretty exciting. But more importantly, I became monomaniacally obsessed with Italian folk power metal band Elven King. <laughs> I can't listen to anything except their most recent album. It's a problem. I <laughs> try to listen to other bands and they're not that interesting anymore. It's all, I gotta just, I need my double bass and my wizards. Um, I've never been this obsessed with a band without wanting to know anything at all about the actual members. I think the singer's name is David. Um, I think it's because the lyrics are never in this genre autobiographical. It's always about like fantasy conceptions. Um, so it doesn't really matter who they are. Like I don't really. This is all fiction. Yeah. I love this for you. I don't know that much about any <laughs> fiction writers either, because who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the main thing that's been taking up my mental space this summer, other than how my life is about to completely transform. Ah, yes. Mm. I have recently undergone that, and it's the fucking best. It's a full rebrand. I love the scorched earth. So <laughs> it's, it's working out really well for me. If you, too, enjoy throwing out everything and just clapping your hands and going, well, we're done here, and then on to something completely different. Highly recommend that for you. Of course, I enjoy that. If you don't, might be a little stressful, but I feel like you're like me in that way, where you're like, "Well, I'm done here. I'm ready to be a new person." <laughs> yeah, but I do also find transitions very stressful, so it's kind of uh, a lot of ups and downs. Um, let's get into this playlist. Let's talk about vampires. This is Bridget's special interest. I don't want to overhype my the potential for me to be spewing facts about vampires but it's definitely higher than 50 percent callie please tell us about your song well here i am doing another horrorcore song i don't really like horrorcore that much and yet somehow <laughs> it is always like i mean i do but not as much as this podcast would make you believe um, it seems like every single time we have a playlist, I'm picking some horrorcore song that somehow fits. Um, <laughs> this is Transylvania by Tyler the Creator. Dracula bitch, don't got problems smacking a bitch, kidnapping, attacking with acts and shit till I grab them throats and start smacking them shits. I'm Dracula bitch, don't got a problem smacking a bitch, kidnapping, attacking with acts and shit till she decides to take Dracula. Transylvania is not my favorite song by Tyler by any means. I'm not always in the mood to hear lighthearted depictions of kidnapping and murdering women. However, it successfully compares vampirism to misogynistic behavior the way that Bram Stoker intended, and notes the parallel between the treatment of women by powerful men in the music industry and beyond with vampires. Also, I like the beat, which was produced by Odd Future member Leftbring. I like this song too. I don't know much Tyler the Creator, or I think the only horrorcore that I know is Three Six Mafia. Which, for, for me, is very on-brand, but... <laughs> well, look at every single playlist we've done, and look at one of the songs I picked. <laughs> I did I did Dr. Octagon. I did... Are was it sure Brother you don't Lynch like Hong? horrorcore? No, I do like horrorcore. I absolutely love horrorcore. I just don't love it enough. Uh, like, mainly what I listen to is, like, city pop, like, jazz fusion... Jerry Curl music, 
and then like and then like dio well because we always do fucking horror genres and then i'm like well i guess i gotta do this horrorcore song because bridget wants another horror genre so yeah. there you go. every genre that i put every playlist idea i think i put had something to do with something dark or horrible i'm sorry it's who i am it's my brand or whatever <laughs> i mean i do listen to like cool keith a lot but i listen to cool keith more than more than dr octagon even though they're the same person <laughs> I, I listened to that specific persona i think what cool i keith more what like this uh whole exercise is fun to me because it makes me like reach for things outside of what i normally listen to yeah i mean True. i specifically pick things that i listen to the only thing i can think of that i went out of the box for was squonk by fucking genesis because <laughs> fuck that song <laughs> But even that was adjacent to stuff I listen to because it is boring prog rock, and I do like boring prog. Yeah, but it's not all not necessarily, like, we're not just pulling, it's not, like, the playlists we do every week is not, or every whenever, it's not, like, our top played songs of the week. It's, like, oh, oh, yeah, let's no, try totally. and find something. Oh. Okay, quick poll before we move on to the next <laughs> song. What is your most played song of the week? Just off the top oh, of your head. I I need. What, I what actually need to check. I really need to check. If it's, I, I mean, I haven't been listening to a whole lot of music on Spotify. What have you been listening to music on? I've been listening to, like podcasts and oh. not listening to music. Um, <laughs> but I, the last thing I listened to was Beth. Apparently, like two weeks ago. <laughs> 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 For some reason, I don't even remember doing that. Maybe I was sleepwalking. I don't think there's a funnier answer than Beth. No. Um, Bridget, what's your most listened to song this week? Probably Red Mist by Elvin King. <laughs> ah, yes. Or maybe, um, well, uh, I also have been listening to this Dragon Force song through Fire and Flames. <laughs> I think that's what it's called, which is like the most over the top power metal song. Like, it is double bass all the way through, relentless, never stopping, all, all like, squealing guitar solos you can't help but get hyped anyway sorry oh okay my most listened to song is slippery people by talking heads which checks out oh fuck yes you and i just talked about that on instagram how do you how do you find your most listened to because i can just tell you i went to on repeat probably um and then the second one which actually this was my song of the summer this is not recent but i listened to this enough this summer for it to be on the the second um on my most listened to apparently was come to me by robert brookens in which he kind of looks oh he God. looks like a like a jerry curl dad vampire on the cover of the album so <laughs> oh my god i heard that song in uh the local hardware store the other day oh the song fucking like, rules okay so my most recently according to spotify my on repeat my most listened to song is no mercy where do you go <laughs> Who's that by? Where do you go, my lovely? It's a jock jam. Um, apparently, I've just been listening to that nonstop. It has like a fucking banging castanet solo in it. Um, listen, find out for yourself. It's fucking great. Is so. Are are jock jams just a way of making dance music cis hetero? Is that like a um, way? Cause, okay, like, wait. What's, let me. Okay, so oh this is a, this is a question I've been wanting to ask Erica. That's for a actually long time. really. I feel like that's pretty spot on. Yes, but here's the thing: it's mostly like 
Um, it's it's specifically named after an ESPN compilation album from 1996 or seven, I think. ESPN presents Jock Jams, mm-hmm. and I could it's. CNC Music Factory gonna make you sweat it's a lot of it's stuff that it's 90s dance pop that you might hear at a sports arena as a hype up for a oh, game yeah, totally. like YMCA is yeah and there. then like the the Hey Song by Gary Glitter noted pedophile and, and glam rocker that's actually a glam rock song yes it is so are you saying taking it from like a club or I'm saying making it for like like taking it to a different audience dance music into something palatable for (laughs) cis hetero people yeah it's the white the whitewashing of gay culture that's what I'm saying the same thing with Rocky Horror and like how wedding DJs always play a ton of disco yeah yes yes and like like how um that like lip sync battle takes lip syncing from drag shows and makes it palatable for middle America don't we can't start on that because I won't stop at my rage okay about to offend a lot of millennial women they'll be all right we're trying to actually stay on target correct maybe I'm I'm talking about how white middle America is is a vampire on gay culture okay that's true for my first song about vampires I chose Tim Capello, I still believe. I still remember the first time I heard this song. Um, I think it was like 2018 and it showed up on a Spotify discovery mix for me. And I was listening to a lot of kind of like 80s stuff but in the vein of michael mcdonald and kind of yacht rocky kind of kenny Loggins-y, and so it was like oh you like that but did you like this and i was like i remember thinking like damn the saxophone player sounds like he's like being like hurt or run over or something like it was like sounds that i've never really heard before and so i was like well i gotta know more about this and i looked it up and i discovered that not only was the saxophone player also the singer but that the Tim Capello was also Tina Turner's saxophone player. I also learned that this is from the movie Lost Boys, which I, true to my brand, have never seen. Um, and because I love Tim Capello so much, and because I've been so public about my undying love for him, there's like several people on the internet that now know this, like that follow me on Instagram, and they send me every. Tim Capello in the Lost Boys, sexy sax man, tight purple pants related content they find, which makes me feel really special. It's like memes and paintings and <laughs> fucking dumb videos and stuff. Um, so Bridget knows that I have never seen the Lost Boys. And um, when I was writing this, I suggested, well, like, well, why don't I watch it as my homework before we record? And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. I want let's before you watch it let's record this podcast and you can tell me on air what i think the lost voice is about let's hear it because i've never seen it and have you seen the poster for it actually i want you to see the poster for it and then tell me what you think it's about no i've never i don't think i've seen i mean like is the poster the album art i've never really looked closely at that either so i guess it doesn't matter so you want me to look at the poster i mean i already wrote what i think it's about the lost boys 1987 film 
Well, it shows me them now. What, Kiefer Sutherland? <laughs> yes. Corey Feldman is Both Corey's. Oh, my Corey God, Hame Hunter. Is also in it. Oh, Corey, um, Hunter saw Corey Feldman a couple weeks ago at some music festival he played in. He was wearing, like, a gold suit, and all the members of Faith No More were, like, desperately trying to get pictures with him. No, I'm sorry. It was Mr. Bungle. It was the members of Mr. <laughs> Bungle were trying to get, like, Mike Patton was, like, posing. Yeah, based on literally nothing other than seeing the one picture of Tim Capello shirtless and knowing, also knowing that it takes place in Santa Cruz, my guess is that, that I'm going to speculate, is that it's about sexy teenagers being lured into the woods by vampires and then becoming vampires themselves. And I also, like, I feel like I say sexy teenagers a lot, but, like, in vampire movies, they always make them, like, sexy teenagers. And then they, like have like their lips get really red and their skin gets really pale and then like they pop their collars like and that's how you know they turned into a vampire what roles do you think the Corys like where do you think they fit in oh those are probably like the main boys mm. the main I lost boys how, how do you think there's like a, maybe a Wilfred Brimley character <laughs> <laughs> is this is one of my all time favorite movies and it's set in Santa Cruz, my, um... Also, without giving anything away, Erica, like, I feel like it looks super serious as a film, but (laughs) it it definitely ends with a ba-dum-ts. Like, it it ends so (laughs) anticlimactically. The Tim Capello scene is... It's within the first, like, five minutes. (laughs) No, I know, and it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but I do know that they, like, see him at, like, well, I said they see him at the fair, and Bridget was like, it's the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. It's Santa Cruz. <laughs> um, Santa Cruz has a fair, bad. but it is not at the boardwalk. Um. Okay, so I will watch it. I will get it. I get a TDV delivered on Thursday. It's been it's been a time. It's been a fridgeless, TVless, couchless, hot water lost boyless, and I. When Lost Boyless, and so um, once I get a TV, I'll watch Lost Boys. Um, okay, so I'm going to end my segment with this is my list of Tim Capello facts, which I didn't even have to research this because I've done it before, like when I decided to hyper focus on him in 2018. So this is all just like from my brain. Um, Tim Capello is a multi instrumentalist, he's from Silver Lake, New York. He learned to play music when he was four. Well, he started to learn to play the music when he was four. In the 70s, he toured with acts like Eric Carmen and Billy Crystal. He played saxophone and keyboards. He became <laughs> addicted to that. heroin. And in 1979, he quit cold turkey and he replaced his addiction with bodybuilding. In 1984, Tina Turner hired him as her saxophone and keyboard player. And he's featured on One of the Living and We Don't Need Another Hero, both from Mad Max Thunderdome. Definitely watch those music videos. He's in them. It's fucking great. Um, Tina Turner looks menacing and... Isn't she, like, leading him around on a leash? Yes. They're, like, they're, like, facing off and kind of, like, pacing around in circles in... Again, I've never seen Mad Max Thunderdome, but I'm guessing they're inside the Thunderdome. But she's kind of just doing this menacing pace and then he comes out of the corner and he's wearing his, like, dog collars and, and tight pants and chainmail and plays his, like, wailing sax. Tina Turner solo. is such so, a Sagittarius queen. R.I.P. Oh, I know. I love her. Um, he often performs on stage shirtless and in tight pants with various harnesses and chains. And he has been frequently parodied in pop culture. He has an album from 2018 called Blood on the Reed. Such a good name. 
<laughs> so good. And the, the, the cover image is him in a sleeveless, right, unitard with various collars and harnesses. And it is, I have listened to it start to finish. It is unhinged. I encourage you to um, get really spooky this October and indulge in his cover version of I Put a Spell on You. <laughs> um, it is so cursed that even I, the queen of enjoying the bit of something, <laughs> cannot listen to it ever again. It's hard to do a bad cover of I Put a Spell on You. That is a good song. Well, he manages to. My king, Tim Capello. Um, that is the list of my Tim Capello facts from the top of my head. This song is also a cover, which... I didn't Yeah, know. it's originally by The Call... And I don't think it's as good because, honestly, like, sex improves everything, especially Tim Capello's sex. Yeah, and Tim Capello's sex improves fucking everything. And his and his vocals, too. Like, he's so into it. Like, he's so into it in the song. Yeah. He believes. He's been in a cave for 40 days. You think he works out to this song? Yeah. <laughs> like himself. <laughs> I'm certain. <laughs> Lost Boys has some interesting vampire lore, like that um the vampires are all like there's a main vampire and he has like um sub vampires and if you kill the main one the other ones will die as well is that not a thing outside of lost boys it's a thing that is in some traditional vampire lore but um it's not in every depiction like true blood for example does not subscribe to that or right i don't think i meant is it a thing in reality (laughs) <laughs> no no i just wasn't sure if that was a thing in other lores because yes. i feel like i've heard that before outside of lost boys but i wasn't sure yeah. if that was a thing that lost boys invented i don't think they invented it but it is i mean every depiction of vampires picks and chooses from the lore including like original vampire fiction from the 1700s my first song is called possum kingdom and it's by the toadies The song was a huge alternative radio hit when I was in junior high. It came out in 1994. The lyrics are pretty dark, but this was not a case of realizing later how dark the hit song was. We knew it was creepy. According to Vaden Todd Lewis, frontman of the Toadies, the lyrics tell the story of a man lured into a cult by a beautiful woman. He sacrifices himself and then goes to the lake, Possum Kingdom Lake to be specific, to find the next victim. However, none of that is really apparent in the lyrics, leaving the listener to conclude most logically, that the song's about a vampire offering to make his victim immortal, too. You'll stay as beautiful with dark hair and soft skin forever as vampire shit. Thank you for the spooky song, Vaden, but we will take it from here. Possum Kingdom Lake. Erica, do you remember Turtle Creek Lane? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, if you cannot tell from my maniacal laughter. She's got Turtle Creek Lane is a really fun lifestyle and home decor blogger that some of us had a good time following a few years ago and she has a vacation home at possum kingdom lake so i'm not sure why that's the setting for anything spooky it sounds pretty (laughs) mid she's like it just no she's like a rich 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 three times rich white lady from texas like her husband works in oil and shit so you can imagine her, her her kind of trademark is this like 
she just loves everything. She's just happy all the time. So like that. And then what Bridget is telling us about like Possum Kingdom Lake is like now you like my maniacal laughter. Like you're like, oh, OK, I, it's, it's just I encourage right. anyone to look up Turtle Creek Lane on Instagram. It's hard to it's describe. <laughs> uh, <It's>, yeah. <laughs> the drum part in the song is really fun to play. It's sort of like um, ovoid in shape. It kind of like goes Ooh, in a little it. like s- racetrack feeling um mark Reznicek is a drummer and there was not really any youtubes of him drumming to anything else but i would like to see it because this the feel of this drum part is just very organic to the song question for the group and again just short answers let's just short answers because we could go on for a long time if you were offered to be a vampire like if someone offered to make you immortal and then you had to turn into a vampire would you do it would you accept used to be unmitigated instant yes lately i have some concerns (laughs) i don't like the idea of having to eat people but i do like the idea of living long enough to actually generate generational wealth so that's (laughs) That's the part that i like yeah (laughs) yeah that's so quite millennial take um so i initially thought yes but then i was like i don't want to kill people but also i was reading bridget's book bridget wrote a book by the way that's what bridget did on her summer vacation she goes i'm gonna write a book and she wrote a fucking book and published a book and it's about vampires that's true and the main (laughs) the main boy (laughs) the the, the main vampire (laughs) character only she doesn't fully drain her victims you can do i'm like oh okay i don't know if this is something that i made up that vampires can do but it really seems like you could just not i mean they can all hypnotize people so why would you ever have to drain someone all the way just drain them a right, little like and unless you're them. just like you're evil yeah unless you are just an insatiable killing machine which like i do think you Jerry would become Dandridge from fright night yeah exactly like Jerry from right. Fright Night. That's the one. He's. I'm so scared of that movie. <laughs> of Fright Night? Oh, well, you'll have fun with the I'm next so one. I'm so scared of it. <laughs> She's so afraid of Jerry. <laughs> it's just specifically Jerry Dandridge. I've seen like six other vampire movies and they're all fine, but Jerry Dandridge. Jerry like, Dandridge is just like a, a gazetti with a turtleneck. He's just oh, a zaddy with like, a turtleneck. No, he looks like the dad in the OC. I haven't seen the OC. Yeah, I haven't seen this. He's also the fucking company. It's Peter Gallagher. It's the guy. He's also um the uh, fucking company owner. Maybe I'm thinking that's his name from center stage. Jerry Dandridge, Fright Night. <laughs> no, you're right. You were correct. Oh, he is zaddy. What are you talking about? His vampire form is hot. No, he's so scary. He is... No. Look at this Okay, guy. my preferred vampire is Jim Carrey in One Spitten. <laughs> Him, and then even the fucking nerdy guy from my best... It's just like my best friend's a vampire or something. Like, even he is fine. No, Jerry Dander is hot. He, those are You're, like, I'm sorry, fuck, our taste no, diverge here. He's, yeah, <coughs> he's scary. not his human Even form two. though. At the time, I was thirty-seven years old. The first time I saw it, and I cried. Okay, so two out of three would smash Jerry Dandridge. Moving on. So the song I've chosen, speaking of Fright Night, is 
Good Man and a Bad Time by Ian Hunter. I have sang the praises of Ian Hunter in our Undercovers episode in which I bemoaned how Great White burned once bitten twice shy to the ground. Suffice to say, I love me some Ian Hunter. So, imagine my delight when, after finally doing some research into the dope-ass song that plays in the club scene in Fright Night, I found out that it's an no. 80s Ian Hunter song. In hindsight, no, that is a dope it song. fucking rules. So that good. whole club scene is so... The, I'll talk about this later, but the soundtrack from Fright Night is so good. In hindsight, I have no clue how I missed this. It sounds like Ian Hunter... I just didn't connect the dots because I've never heard another Ian Hunter song from the 80s. It was written for the Fright Night soundtrack, which has wall-to-wall bangers, by the way. As I mentioned before, this song plays during the club scene where Chris Sarandon, aka Jerry Dandridge, seduces Amy. (laughs) Is it seduction when you basically kidnap a whole teenager? After the song fades out, it launches into an Evelyn Champagne King song. Armies of the Night by Sparks is in this movie. A fucking autograph song is in this movie. Devo? April Wine? Did someone cater the soundtrack specifically to my taste? Probably not since the film came out six years before I was born. Anyway, Ian Hunter rules. Fright Night rules. Fright Night is scary, and I know that it's supposed to be a joke, and that is why Hunter showed it to me. He thought that I could stomach it, and then I cried. Just like um, the other one that scared me was Return of the Living Dead, which is set in the 80s. And on paper, I should like it, like, also, there's, like, a fucking naked punk rock girl who dances on graves, and her name is Trash, which is, like, that's funny. It's supposed to be funny. And I, it was too scary, and I cried. So <laughs> I have to play this. I never want to watch Frightening again. And I'm so sorry. But the soundtrack, though, is pretty fucking good. I'll listen to it. I was surprised to like an Ian Hunter song. Surprised and pleased. Yeah. I mean, they're not all good. I believe I the text you sent the group was, this song whips. <laughs> I did send that text. <laughs> it whips. When Ian Hunter is good, he's really, really good. When he sucks, he sucks so bad. Like, yeah, some of his stuff just sucks ass. But then when it's good, it's like the best fucking song you ever heard. There's a few bands <laughs> like that. Uh, I was looking at my most listened to and... <laughs> embarrassingly this tiktok book talk like dark romance song is on my top played it is called this on brand (laughs) it is very on brand it's such a like okay no offense to anyone i hate to talk shit about a currently active band but they are not good but they're very popular and it's because they're so hot Was the band oh i thought i said i'm sorry it's called sleep token yeah. and the song is called the summoning and there's just this one part that's like basically i think they did research on book talk and just like lifted the lines that everyone loves to hear and made them rhyme and fit in the song cadence and so the number of like fan vids of like <laughs> evil elves <laughs> da- like doing thirst trapping to um the song is really over the top and i i like it but the song the rest of the song is bad it's just this like 10 seconds of funniness this little like window into your brain (laughs) such a beautiful i was feeling kind of okay i grew up catholic so i'm really i know we're supposed to be like staying on topic but bear with me i grew up catholic so i have a lot of guilt and i was feeling kind of bad about how many 
like thirst trap TikToks I was watching. There's this guy named Fry Boy that's at some like Fright Night Park in Connecticut, I think. And there's a, it's just a lot of stuff on TikTok. And I was starting to feel kind of like, am I allowed to <laughs> watch? You the threshold <laughs> like of how, like, what you might perceive as an okay How amount. much time are you allowed <laughs> to spend watching a guy in scary clown paint scare people at <laughs> set to sexy sleep token music it, when do you cross the line so i was like asked my husband like am i violating our marriage vows right now <laughs> and he was like what? no dear <laughs> let's talk about soul dracula please <laughs> okay um, my next pick is a song called Soul Dracula by the group Hot Blood. Soul Dracula. <laughs> so this is just like a novelty disco song. That's all it is. There's no content. It's hokey. And I like it. So every year for the past now four years, my boyfriend makes a Halloween themed playlist called Spooky Time Chillers. And I think this one made the cut on like Spooky Time Chillers 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, But as I mentioned, it's a novelty disco song from 1977. I looked everywhere for info on this, but there's no credits or personnel listed anywhere on the entirety of the internet. And I'm not going to fucking order it on Discogs because I don't care that much. Um, but what I did find was a Wikipedia page in German that I had to translate into <laughs> English and then it had, <laughs> it just reads totally ridiculously. And so like my review of the song, like my talk, my little bit about the song are just like a few favorite, a few of my favorite lines from this, like, it, it's just an incredibly short entry. Um, I say Hotblood is a German former studio band that became best known with the disco horror song Soul Dracula. This put her in sixth place in the top 40 in 1977, but she was also highly ranked <laughs> in the national hit parade. A ballet of the song by Penny de Jaeger was shown in Top Pop. In it, the dancers, but also a Count Dracula, wore a cape and Dracula teeth. There were also skulls to be seen. The song itself features a laughing Count Dracula on the soul tour accompanied by a bunch of bagging singers. The band's name refers to the bloodthirsty character of Dracula. <laughs> the single comes from the LP Dracula and Co., which contained more such disco horror songs such as Baby Frankie Stein and Blackmail. After 1977, little was heard of the group. The group can therefore be seen as a one-hit wonder, and then it links to the page to describe the one-hit wonder, and that is the end of the <laughs> That was, like, that was just funnier than anything that I could have had to possibly say. So on that very brief review, Bridget, your song. <laughs> This is Night of the Vampire by Rocky Erickson. Rocky Erickson was the front man of the psych band 13th Floor Elevators, and then he had a solo career. In 1968, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia after having an episode on stage. 
and he was subjected to involuntary hospitalizations and electroshock treatment. And then after he got out of that, he was arrested for weed possession and again incarcerated. He like pled not guilty due to insanity and went to like a criminal asylum where he was again given ECT and Thorazine. That's worse than weed. That's a lot worse than weed. That's so much worse than weed. Just let him have the weed. (laughs) Oh my God. Weed can actually be very bad for people with schizophrenia, but um, so can being involuntarily incarcerated. He was in facilities from 1968 to 1972, which as you can imagine was pretty traumatic. In the 80s and 90s, he had a pretty tumultuous situation and didn't do as much um, in the music world. And then in 2001, his brother got power of attorney over his affairs, so he started getting a little bit better treatment, like medical treatment, and was able to return to music. And I got to see him a couple of times when I lived in San Francisco, and it was like so magic because he just looked so happy to be able to play music. I got to see him at a really small venue called The Chapel, where I was like, basically two feet away from him and he was just like glowing the whole time it was actually a halloween show i dressed up as maude lebowski (laughs) and then he passed away in 2019 but hopefully he had kind of some peace and happiness at the end there this song was recorded in 1980 i'm not sure when he actually wrote it it's about a dracula type vampire from transylvania who was born on a made-up saint day of saint swibbins day I like the imagery of there being so much blood that it turns the earth into mud. Yeah, 13th Floor Elevators was another group that I discovered from Nuggets, original oh. artifacts. So, wow. yeah, fun fact. Just cool. bringing it all together. Listen to season one. Catch up on our lore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Vampires by Gucci Mane. This is from my fave Gucci mixtape jewelry selection, and it adheres to the 2000s mixtape conventions of having a whole bunch of yelling and producer tags at the beginning of the track and then stopping the song and starting over from the beginning. <laughs> So it's not great for the sequencing of this playlist, but it's also funny. <laughs> While we're talking about TikTok, there's a really funny TikTok that I saw a few days ago that I linked in the notes, which, again, is not great po- uh, podcasting, but it's funny, so you should watch it. <laughs> well, maybe we could share it on our Instagram. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it on there. Our Instagram's Go funny. follow our Instagram. My <laughs> Instagram is pretty funny. We're like... It's like one of the things that we're good at. Yeah, I don't, I don't really ship post a whole lot on my regular one, but I'll just go on the Baby Lee Roth one and just ship post. So. A lot of ship posting. Unrelated, I've started doing ship post Sundays, and it is the fucking best. I just save all my memes. Well, mostly I just go through everything that I've sent to Bridget throughout the week, and then I kind of filter down like what's appropriate for actual human consumption. And then through my curated lens, I let people see um what i think is yes funny. so so imagine that but not curated at all because i literally would just post anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> baby Leroth is the fucking funniest it's so funny to me it's sometimes great. i just look yeah. at our story not to like and blow our own for tube and flugans but like it's fucking well i'll also just get on at any i'll be like yeah i'm bored at work and i'll get on that and just put whatever the fuck on there so <laughs> it's top notch
so anyway, back to Gucci Mane. Like Transylvania, which was my first selection, Vampires compares the lavish lifestyle of being a rapper or drug dealer, generally powerful dude, to being a vampire. This is especially important because vampires are usually like super like eccentric and wealthy, so I feel like that parallel definitely exists. I mean, think of Jerry Dandridge, <laughs> a wealthy eccentric. Any of them. I would, and that's that's the thing that would make me say yes to circle back to that question. That's the thing that would make me say yes to being a vampire because if I could be an eccentric recluse <laughs> and also exorbitantly wealthy like why would I say no to that I agree and have soft skin and nice hair forever well yeah exactly like I I want to be in, cute forever and you know I, I just in don't want to have to in my best friend's a vampire he goes to the butcher and he drinks pig's no, blood I don't want to drink pig's blood that doesn't work oh. a, a human can drink pig's blood if they really wanted to that's human food. Humans. Oh. I hate when they do that. That's why the vampires of Twilight aren't real vampires because anyone can hunt a deer. That's normal. You drinking human blood to stay alive <laughs> is literally what makes you a vampire. If you just eat meat, that's just being a human that eats meat and lives forever. <laughs> that's not uh, a curse. Yeah. I also What's don't the downside? Eat yeah, it's also like like I'm. I'm vegan, so I guess. Yeah, you're excluded from. Yeah, this. wouldn't you rather drain a human than a cow? I would. Yeah, does that count? I would rather does not drain count? either of them Am because the vegan? part of the yeah. animal I like to eat is not the fucking blood. Like, why do I have to drink the blood? The blood is like the nastiest part, except for, <laughs> like, why has it got to be a fluid? If I was eating muscle, like, because you can't get enough of it to. That's but that's what's whack it. too because it's like you're always hungry that just sounds that's just too much no sometimes you're not course, you should read bridget's book because according to bridget um well in her story at least you can once the vampire character when she like um drinks a bunch of blood like once she feeds she's like good for a couple days yeah like more like a big cat i don't know why they're supposed to always be hungry they're just greedy I don't want to be greedy. The power, the wealth. I just yeah. want to uh, like the generational wealth that they've had. I, I just hate build. that there's always some caveat to being immortal and rich. Why can't I just be cool, immortal, rich, eccentric, and not have to eat <laughs> people like, or be burned by the sun? Because <laughs> yeah, like, because of the balance theory of that. I already can't go on the sun. I'll get burned. Like it's like I'm I'm just a couple I steps have that behind. Too. Yeah, that's true. It's called being pale. You're almost there, Callie. <laughs> Vampires was released in 2010, a year before Transylvania and the same year as Monster by Kanye West. So this was a pretty prevalent theme in hip-hop around this time, just like comparing being a powerful dude in the music industry to being a vampire. Trina has a verse, which is always a welcome addition. I love Trina. She's one of my favorite rappers. She is oh, I love like, Trina so like Tina too. Turner, another Sagittarius queen. <laughs> like the three of us. Yeah, and that's where the comparisons between me... I, w I won't speak for y'all, but me, <laughs> Trina, and Tina Turner end. Um Yes, that's accurate. <laughs> I feel like vampires were for the longest time associated with white rock music, and I like this idea of rappers being associated with vampires. Um, y'all have okay, anything have smart to, to say about, about that? Because I don't. Well, it, oh, it's it's not smart. It's not smart. One time, I Criminal Minds had an open casting call, and they wanted specifically heavily tattooed women 
to be in the front row at this character's concert. So I was a featured extra on an episode of Criminal Minds starring Gavin Rossdale lip-syncing to a bad cover of Love Will Tear Us Apart. And the whole episode premise is that this the guy the guy that he plays the singer that he plays like thinks he's a vampire and has created this cult around him and i didn't watch it to see if he committed the murders or not because i didn't care but i was definitely like a couple feet from him and they made me like um you had to like like reach out for him and like oh my god i just want to touch him and then um also they paid me 50 dollars extra because they had fog machines in the in my face (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that that's always the narrative at, at least during like a specific period of time where it was like well like um queen of the damned it's like he's like a alt rock dude and yeah that whole vampire series the vampire um <laughs> Anne rice's the vampire, vampire series back. i can't remember what it's called <laughs> wow uh yeah but that whole series has some name that i can't remember yeah, which is sad. cool. I mean, I like I like waif thin pale rock stars as much as the next guy, but <laughs> I just feel like like cool. like it makes as much sense that Gucci Mane could be a vampire, absolutely. Instead of drinking lean and having a big swollen like <laughs> backed up stomach from lean, he could be drinking blood all the time. We don't is know. That what I- <laughs> well, <laughs> where do we go from here? Well, oh wait. Yes, my love. I didn't make up the thing. In True Blood, they also don't have to drain the victim all the way. Oh. So I didn't make it up entirely. Someone else. I've only seen... Oh. You know, I've seen one uh, one episode of True Blood. It might be too gross oh. for you, but it is a really campy, fun take on vampires and werewolves. Trina okay. references True Blood in her verse, so... That's true. <laughs> that is some hot fucking vampires right there. That's the thing. Vampires are always like they're vampires supposed to be hot. They're something. definitely the hottest monsters, like one hundred percent. Oh, for sure. Like, okay, so oh, I have to go on this tangent for a moment. So, I, when I was a child, I was very sensitive and visual, visually like icky things were. I was just very sensitive to them. So, when I was like maybe four, my parents showed me E.T. and for some reason it was too sad and I didn't know like, how he looked and I cried the whole no, time. No, that's why I don't like E.T. Anything remotely scary again. E.T. is really sad and scary for all children. It's- okay, well, I was four and they ridiculed me and then never showed me anything sad or scary again and I then was just like, well, I don't want to see it and then I would like, like anytime that things that I didn't like would be presented to me, I would just like opt out. Like, there were movies that were in... St- stuff has scarred me that I watched I had to watch in school. Like, the movie um, the movie Glory was about the Civil War. Like, I still can picture exact scenes from that. And, like, it haunts me and fucking keeps me up at night. So, like, that kind of stuff is really hard for me to stomach. But... Um, and I then also was just not a Halloween person. We didn't really... Like, we would trick-or-treat and that's it. But it wasn't, like... We didn't watch Halloween movies or anything. So... And then my ex had no joy in his life whatsoever. So that also didn't factor in. So when I met Hunter, Hunter is very Hunter has seen every movie. He's seen every scary movie. He's seen every horror movie. He loves a horror movie. And he was like, okay, I want to teach you to like let's experiment and see what kinds of Halloween kind of maybe spooky scary movies you can tolerate. And we literally started with like Donald Duck <laughs> Halloween <laughs> and Mickey 
Mouse Halloween. Like we started with like actual cartoons for actual children and worked up from there. And that is how I saw Fright Night and Cried. And that was too much for me. But I learned, but like Scream wasn't because Scream is such a soap opera and it's not very gory. It's very, it's and, not and, gross. And, and it's very aesthetic. Yes. To, to wrap this up in a very succinct way, after like years and years of watching every Halloween, we watch move, a movie every day. Um, after watching that, I can tell you I do not like zombie movies. It is horrifying. They're like gross to look at. The concept of it is scary, especially in that um, Return of the Living Dead. He describes in detail what it feels like as he's dying and it just like maybe burst into tears. It was too upsetting for me. But vampires are so fucking sexy and campy and stupid. And often those are like the funny comedy movies. So I will watch almost anything about vampires. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't. I don't Except like gross Fright stuff. <laughs> Friday Night is mostly campy and goofy. Honestly, I'm surprised that you were more scared by Jerry Dandridge and not by the like gruesome werewolf scene where he turns into that. I mean, it's stupid. Like it looks fake, but it is kind of upsetting when he like <laughs> he gets like impaled by a banister or something. Like it's kind of fucking gruesome. Yeah, I don't like it. It's gross. And there's like a weird like section like where the it's like practical props, but like 80s, like there's a little bit of like 80s like CGI technology, which is like really terrible. I don't know. It's just. And like the guy melts and he turns into like Nickelodeon slime. It's it's real gross. Um, but I will say I did watch without problem Nightmare on Elm Street. Totally fine. I was like, this is fucking like because but the thing with him is like. Freddy just wants to kill. That's it. He just wants to murder you. He'll come into your dreams and get you, but he's going to murder you. And it does like, he's there. He's going to murder you. That's his whole thing. There's no like, Oh, who done it? There's no, Oh, is he around the corner? It's like, he, you're dead. You, the, if you're in the movie, you're going to die. Well, and a lot of vampirism too, is kind of like sexual assaulty vibes. There's a canonical reason for that. Would you like to know it? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I absolutely would. Because I, I referenced a little bit of it in when I was talking about Transylvania, but I honestly don't know enough about it to even form that opinion. But there, I figured you would know, so. <laughs> great. Let me tell you. Va- there's a theory that vampires represent what happens when men don't control their, like, lust, which in the Victorian and also pre-Victorian era... It was men were, I mean, we hear about this now too. It's the idea is that men are just constantly on the verge of becoming like animalistic rapists and they have to just always be like tightly in control of that like evil animal side of them. And if they let it loose, they'll become just like psycho predators. So like, that's why they're always from Eastern Europe because for the Victorians, I mean, that is where vampire lore began, is in Eastern Europe, but it really sank its teeth, sorry for the pun, into Victorian (laughs) England because they already were so primed to think of non-white men as animals and as white men, white men as the only people who could like control their like lusts and animalistic urges. So that's why Dracula is from Transylvania, which is like depicted as this like backwards place is because non-white men were considered way more dangerous and they could like spread this infection to like white women they were gonna want this like animal dick all the time dracula is like very emblematic of victorian racial and sexual mores yeah and and also that's interesting too that you mentioned that we still hear about that because a lot of our contemporary sexual like mores are still based in victorian times yeah 
people tend to blame the Puritans, and they are definitely at fault, too, but it's a lot of it is from Victorian times. Okay. I would like to know more when we do our Victorian times playlist. <laughs> I would like to know more at some point, because this is very, like, interesting. I also would like to just circle back that it's super weird that your parents made fun of you for being scared of a movie when you were four. Like, that might have been almost as traumatizing as the movie yeah. itself. And also that the movie well, was E.T., which is, like, known to be traumatizing. He got, he got sick, and I remember watching it, and we were at home, and I remember, I have a photographic memory, and so I remember being in the middle of my living room and crying and saying, it's too sad, turn it off, he's sick, it's too sad, I can't watch it anymore. And my parents were like, oh my god, get over it, fast forward, he's gonna live, it's fine. And I was like, no, but it's too sad and then i slept with the light on for like two months yeah that's yeah i i have never seen the movie itself i in in a similar but different way i've never seen et i've seen clips of it but the reason i never saw it is because it was too sad and my mom was like you're not watching that (laughs) yeah i had and my brother would take the vhs copy of it and like hold chase me around the house with it dude and i would cry you know who else i know every time bridget hears something about my childhood she goes i yeah, I'm shocked that you turned out okay. I would like to time travel back and kidnap you and raise you in my family because I was also terrified of scary things. And, like, as much as I loved horror monsters, movies with them were too real for me. Like, the child's mm-hmm. mind is not as good at separating emotionally reality from fiction. So when a little kid sees something scary happen, they're not as able to, like, filter that out. Plus, you and I both have and probably Callie too, a tendency towards intrusive thoughts and really good mm-hmm. visual memories. So when you see something upsetting, it like infects your brain. Yeah, I have I, I have a memory specific. I was from some Halloween movie. I don't even know what it was, but someone had like fake makeup of their eye being fucked up. And that oh, yeah. completely for the next like probably three years at least. And, and even into adulthood, I still have intrusive thoughts about something happening to my eye. <laughs> that has never, I was, ever stopped. <laughs> I was afraid of the scene or the scene in Indiana Jones where the Nazis melt. Like I couldn't handle it. And that's not a scary movie at all. And what, how did my parents react? Not that they're like the greatest parents in history, but they're, they tried. Um, they were like, okay, well you just don't have to watch that kind of movie. We are not going to have you watching those movies. They upset you too much. So, like, when my brothers wanted to watch them, they would watch them after I went to bed. Yeah, I'm sure it was annoying um, as fuck, but we all managed. <laughs> you were a baby, and they treated you like the baby and the, who needed special coddling until you got to the age where you're like, oh, this is not scary. Yeah. I was a child, and they treated me like one. <laughs> yeah. just fucking novel. Where every time Bridget hears something about my childhood, she's like, by the time in Hunter 2, we're like... It feels like once you learn to walk and talk and tie your own shoes, your parents were just like, she's fine, and then did no other raising of you, and then you're, like, totally self-raised and mostly feral. Yeah. <laughs> and I can happily say that because my parents will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So, um, okay, but wait, I, my, I had a final thought. We are so far off topic. I had a final thought. Do you think that you were affected, that the three of us were affected? Like, for me, I think it's, a thing that I learned about myself in the past couple of years is that like definitely being towards neurodivergency and being someone who is sensitive to things like, like touch and smell, but that's also like feelings and emotions and visuals and that it affects me more 
than it might somebody else. Like I can't block that out and I hyper fixate on it and I can only like I'll close my eyes and only see that image, which was like um, not to get too like morose, but like as a recent context, when my dog passed away, I would close my eyes and I would see that image of holding her for the last time over and over and over for months and it would not go away and I could not get it out. And it's the photographic memory and being hypersensitive in more ways than just physical, but like also like it's my emotions as well. Absolutely. And so I feel like thinking about that and then going back to seeing like the movies that I didn't want to watch as a child or that like really affected me as a child was like, oh yeah, no, I was should not have been like I, my parents should not have signed the permission slip to make me watch Mississippi Burning. Anything. No, like, like, like memories of that visuals from that live in my brain permanently forever, and I can access them at any time, and that is not cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I I also have the thing where if you read or watch something, you feel super like sympathetic towards it and i will yeah. faint if i read something <laughs> so oh, there's a lot okay. going on yeah. so uh, long story sh- long baby. story short that's why i am not a horror movie fan i like dumb campy stuff and i love vampires when mm. they're silly and campy like i can take i can mm. take especially as an adult i can take a limited amount of violence and gore but if it's not handled a certain way I cannot live with it in my brain because I like what you were saying. I'll see it, yeah. and so like I am not my, a horror my movie fan. Has increased a little. I have so much anxiety that I'm like I do not need to be scared for fun. Like I literally just my brain just conjures so up any kind of <laughs> horror any yeah. second of the day. I don't like the idea that either of you feel like you need to defend not wanting to watch like there's a lot of media i have no interest in ever watching and no one would ever make fun of me for it like i do not just on this podcast nobody has to like defend not having seen something who cares like that was when i met hunter that was a really nice thing that he was like let's let's find your threshold and we can have stuff we can enjoy together rather than you, you know it's it's not all scary and i i'm here for you and he's he'll like when i agreed to watch nightmare on elm street i was like okay but we have to do it in the middle of the day yeah like, windows open and everything like it's not a dark room and you have to hold my hand when you want and the whole time he was just like sitting there like staring at me like you don't even care about this and i was like yeah i don't know why because on paper i should hate it but <laughs> like it's just i'm not afraid of that one. i also there's certain horror images like um Scary stories to tell in the dark. The art from oh that my God. Book, those books like definitely were imprinted in my brain for a long time. But for some reason, I'm also very drawn to this type of thing. So yeah, just... that's how I am too. Because I remember we had those books, and obviously, like I do not, I like for the reasons I already outlaid. Like I have high anxiety. I get scared by stuff easily. For some reason, though, like certain things I'm super attracted to and that the art for those is one of them. Well, it's beautiful. It's just really fucking scary yeah. too. Yeah, but it's also like, like the, the one feeling with like the girl with me. the green yeah. ribbon. That like, feeling? Yeah. I remember that getting passed around as like contraband at my school and reading it. And But but it was it was that feeling of like, oh, I don't like this. I shouldn't be reading it. But like I couldn't pull myself away from it. So I've experienced that. that draw is basically like that feeling of like this is so uncanny and yucky and i this feel like that feeling is basically like a sensor a sensation that i seek a lot so i've given myself exposure therapy this is who cares let's talk about judas priest it's this 
It's the salty chips of the ADHD autism. It's the hot chips, yeah. What is the most sensory I can have? This is the triple X flaming hot Cheetos that my brain requires is midsummer. (laughs) Bridget, you, well, maybe Erica too, but I feel like mostly Bridget. Have you um, heard of or read My Favorite Thing is Monsters? It's a it's a no. graphic novel. It's about this. Um, this is somewhat related. <laughs> it's about this girl um, growing up in sixties in Chicago, and um, she's queer. And she it's about like her family, and she lives below a Holocaust survivor who is also the victim of domestic abuse. Wow! And she's trying to solve this murder, but she draws herself exclusively as like a wolf girl like she's like a like a werewolf and it's by this amazing chicago comic artist called emil ferris and she's amazing it's one of my favorite graphic novels of all time well i'm gonna see if they have it at there's this really cute woman-owned comic shop next to my salon i'm gonna see if they have it there yeah you should get it it's really cool i read it and i loved it and i got obsessed with emil ferris and i later found out that she worked for the company that made tea bunnies which were these toys that i collected when i was a kid oh crazy and so it was just such like a weird (laughs) cyclical moment where i'm like oh my god you helped design these toys that i loved when i was a kid and now i love your book so anyway now let's talk about judas priest (laughs) oh fuck yeah my judas priest pick is Love Bites. I picked this song because I was like, I feel like there's never enough metal on our playlist, but then I remembered I'm pretty sure I included some kind of awful hair metal on every single episode, so unfortunately for you all, my brand remains strong. Um, Love Bites is from Judas Priest's ninth studio album in 1984 called Defenders of the Faith. It's definitely like mid to even late era priest and let's face it the song is just it's no breaking the law and it's no living after midnight and it is certainly no hellbent for leather but rob halford is legendary and he gets to be on the vampire playlist singing about how he's gonna come suck your neck in the night or whatever because it's silly and campy and as we have discussed so many times in this podcast that is 100 my favorite genre of vampire content so again <laughs> brand remains strong In 2004, I worked at Sam Ash Music, and I was the department manager of the Brass and Woodwind section. Let's remember from season one that I played flute for three years tops, and I can barely do a little honk on any rated instrument, let alone play for shit. But I was like a really good salesperson, and one month I was the best salesperson in the whole store, and I won tickets to OzFest. The only thing I wanted was to see Leather Daddy Rob Halford ride his little little motorcycle on stage and serenade me about how I have another thing coming but the thing was that I was in Columbus Ohio and in order to see that one sweet little moment that I wanted I had to endure a crowd composed of this like sliver of society where metal heads and rednecks overlap in the Venn diagram and the that section of society they had all been drinking since noon in the hot summer sun And like while holding hands with my boyfriend at the time walking through the crowd, one of these people drunkenly looked me in the eyes and called me the F word that means cigarette in British slang. (laughs) 
But I persevered. Rob Halford did ride his motorcycle on stage. He did played all the fucking hits. I reveled in every minute of it. And then as soon as they were over, I ran as fast as I could to the parking lot to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> it will never cease to make me laugh that homophobic rednecks love the gayest band in the dorkiest genre. Because metal <laughs> is for Dungeons & Dragons nerds, high fantasy and history nerds. And that's it. Like, that that's who metal is for. And of course, everyone can enjoy it, but come on now. <laughs> metal is so dorky and I love it. Especially, like like, 70s metal. Like, when you get into, like... Dio is always fucking singing about wizards, like Black Sabbath. That is not just 70s metal. Wizards. That's a genre defining. Specifically, I'm talking about like when like Judas Priest like kind of like rise to, you know, their prominent level. And also, yes, Rob Halford being like the leatheriest daddy of all time. They've always, always, always been so gay. Long before he ever came out, they have been extremely gay. So it's always hilarious to me when people literally (laughs) are homophobic, but they love Jesus. It is the fucking Glenn Hughes, but not that Glenn Hughes. Glenn Hughes from the village people leather daddy anthem. Yeah. I saw Judas Priest at the Concord pavilion i want to say and the crowd was exactly the same as in ohio apparently um some strange perverse combination of rednecks and metal people and also like nostalgists metal fans ugh, it's going to metal shows is it's not pleasant it's one of the scarier genres it's one of the scarier genres of shows you contend whereas like I did not grow up going to like punk or hardcore, but then like I go to hunter shows and I'm like, oh my God, it's so fucking wholesome because I grew up going to metal shows. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is like rainbows and clouds and happy bunnies and everybody loves each other. And like when somebody goes down in the pit, the band stops and they make sure they're okay. And like metal shows, you go down, that's it. That's unusual for hardcore bands too, though. Like a lot of hardcore bands are not as nice as AFI to their fans. Oh. Well, in contrast, it paints quite a picture. Yeah. <laughs> of my- uh, metal shows are terrible and smell horrible. They smell like testosterone-soaked leather. It is gross. I went to a metal show on 6606. Like, and it was, I saw some of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. And that was like, like my ex like that I was with at the time. He was like, we got to get her out of here. She's, we, she's, no, she's too precious. She's, she's baby. We gotta go. <laughs> yeah. When I used to go to metal shows, that's when people f- called me Poker Face. <laughs> so I always looked so mad. Speaking of metal bands that I like, my next pick is Countess Bathory by Venom. Venom is a band from Newcastle, England. They're part of the new wave of British heavy metal, which is a genre from the late 70s through 80s that includes Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Motorhead, and a bunch of other super influential bands. They were never like super radio friendly popular, but they're very influential on later metal. 
a lot of people think the band Venom is black metal because they have an album called Black Metal, but black metal is actually a derivation from new wave of British heavy metal that is faster and has more Cookie Monster vocals defined by bands like Bathory. Countess Elizabeth Bathory, namesake of both this song and black metal band Bathory, was a noblewoman in what is now Slovakia in the 16th century. She was Hungarian. She wasn't actually a vampire, but she was a serial killer. According to legend, she killed virgins and drank and bathed in their blood. She was able to do this because her estate was what is called a gynasium, which is basically a finishing school. So other nobles would send their daughters to her to learn to be fancy and she would just kill them instead. They say that she was bathing in their blood in order to live forever, but that might be um, Habsburg propaganda. She was put on trial with her (laughs) servants in 1603-ish, and they were convicted of killing hundreds of girls. There's a little bit of controversy about the conviction. Some historians have claimed that it was a power play by the Habsburgs or a witch hunt, but there are like 300 eyewitness testimonies. She spent the rest of her days imprisoned in a castle. She's also not the only European noble to use their absolute power over their subjects to murder hundreds of children. Gilles de Rye, best friend of Joan of Arc. (laughs) (laughs) History sounds so made up when you say it all in a row. He was pretty much identical in method, except he mostly killed boys. The end. (laughs) Um, I just, I have nothing to say because it was, I just could hear you talk about this niche. (laughs) thing forever it is so wonderful to me Um, i love this band very much also how can you add anything to that i love new wave of british heavy metal for this specific reason like it it's my favorite subgenre of metal because musically it's like this the all the stuff about metal and punk mixed into one like the stuff that i like and then the lyrics are about history and literature like like that's that's who (laughs) metalheads are fucking nerds yeah like to- like all of iron maiden songs are based in like so his- history or literature yeah. yes and like this i've i've heard of this contest before in a completely different context i'd actually i've, I've listened to venom before i did not realize that they had a song about this <laughs> it's just like i, I yeah I, I love metal music because it's just so nerdy <laughs> in I do such too. a good way and, it, and it's seen as so like dark and evil and then you read about it and it's like is this a song about the rhyme of the ancient mariner <laughs> like, i know <laughs> this is something i find really hilarious is like i guess there is kind of an idea that like metalheads are mean or scary or that the music is like really evil or something but so much of it is literally just super it's like lord of the rings yeah the music. yeah or it's people who are insanely nerdy about like the song structure itself like so much of it is like fully orchestral song structure yeah or like just insane levels of musicianship not so much in new wave of british heavy metal it's like but sometimes, sometimes with Iron Maiden, with Iron Maiden, you get the best of both worlds because it's extremely musically yeah. nerdy and then also extremely, like, yes. lyrically nerdy. <laughs> it's also a very good um, entry point to metal because it's a little bit more... The m- singing is usually not too cookie monstery, and you can kind of understand what they're saying. You can read the logos. It's a little bit more radio-friendly, and it is faster-paced and more punk. Um, like a lot of people who might find Sabbath kind of boring, I think would like Iron Maiden. 
I just keep thinking of the drums and run to the hills. Like, yeah, you can't be fucking bored listening no. to that song. No, that's like that. So or like the creepy what he who has not understanding reckon the number of the beast. Like it's like, but the, it's how so can you not hear that and go like I want to listen? Yeah, to this. yeah. A lot of the music I've been listening to this summer is super influenced by like Iron Maiden and Halloween, and it's very just like silly, mm-hmm. theatrical. Uh, you've really found your brand. Yeah, I am very much turning into a himbo, Jimbro, metalhead, fantasy nerd. <laughs> Whenever I, like, get into one of these little grooves, I'm like, this is all the ki- types of euphoria. I I like that we're all becoming some different, like, genre of 80s himbo. <laughs> because I'm, defini- I'm definitely, like, comic store nerd. <laughs> yeah. Mine is just, I'm just Richard Simmons. <laughs> it's so good. My experience with... Sorry, my, like, met- I used to be pretty um not involved in the metal scene in oakland but i would just go to it a lot because that's where my boyfriend would sell drugs and um (laughs) and i like metal so it was fun like we would go to like crust metal parties a lot and my experience with the metalheads there's one guy in particular that is just like the ur metalhead to me and he played in a band called annihilation time and my experience with him was just like you know when you're talking to someone else autistic and you're like oh well it's like this and they're like it's not like that and then they tell you why and you're like i'm trying to vibe with you so hard and we can't and (laughs) (laughs) um in retrospect i realized it was just they're not purposely gatekeeping they're just on the spectrum like (laughs) me (laughs) they're just T- takes one to know. Yeah, one. sorry guys. Next time. Cool. Yeah, what were you gonna say about ending this podcast? Oh, I was gonna say next time mm. on <laughs> Baby Lee Roth. Should we do Satanic Carnival next? Yes. Oh, please, God, can yes. we do Satanic Carnival? <laughs> yes. Great. Okay. Then I get to do Psycho Circus <laughs> again. <laughs> I've only done one Kiss song, and it will be Psycho Circus because the other one was technically Wicked Lester. <laughs> Wicked Lester. Also, <sighs> when we talked about Psycho Circus before, it was to talk about ICP, I forgot. Yeah, so now we're going to talk about Psycho Circus Fantastic. from the Kiss side. So we'll get the both sides of the of the feud. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so next week on Baby Lee Ross, join us for a satanic carnival. <laughs> um, so I don't have this this thing. I don't remember how That's we end. So. Oh, uh, thank you to um, thank you to Marlo Bro for our logo and Matt House for our song and Hunter Bergen for additional audio support. Follow us on Instagram and fucking send us mail. Clowns, please. We'll talk about you. Weigh Instagram in about <laughs> Instagram is at Baby Lee Roth Podcast. I don't remember what our email is, but just DM us. I'm on there. I'll we either don't check our email. We're only on Instagram. I literally don't know how to sign into our email, so please just DM us. <laughs> yeah. Also, rate us on Apple. Some of y'all have rated us on Apple, and I read all of them, and it's really nice. Even if you Aww. have something hateful to say, that'll be funny. I think hate <laughs> is funny, so. <laughs> yeah, say something, please. I would prefer five stars though because that i guess helps us i don't know (laughs) if you want other people to listen to us rate us five stars if you want us to laugh at you and maybe make fun of you on air rate us less than five stars 
It's simple math. Okay. Baby, wrap out. Bye.